0: This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon everyone. I want to start perhaps in a, a slightly unusual way in the sense that I'm going to show you some words from a Beatles song or rather more correctly a John Lennon song I think the Beatles had split up by this time the early 70s it was a very popular song in fact I think it got to number one in the hit parade and and I was a Beatles fan by the way so I'm not criticising their their work Uh, that that shows my age now doesn't it Uh, and I'm certainly not going to sing it for you I just want to show you the words because devoid of the tune which as I said is a very, very pleasant tune just devoid of the words I think typifies man's hopes what we read in this, it's the, it's the song called Imagine. I'm sure many of you here will remember it. And what that song says is, Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try, No hell below us, above us only sky. And those who've been to Liverpool Airport will recognise that phrase, because that's uh, prominent at Liverpool John Lennon Airport. Imagine all the people living for today. Isn't that typical of man's hoax? There's no heaven, there's no hell, and let's live for today. So he goes on. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Well, I would suggest that's a very forlorn hope. No no countries. Um, nothing to kill or die for. That's particularly what men or mankind has done for centuries, isn't it? Uh, they've fought and they've killed for land, for greed so I don't think John Lennon's got this quite right to me it might be a good concept but this is man's hopes he goes on, he says imagine no possessions, I wonder if you can no need for greed or hunger brotherhood of man imagine all the people sharing all the world that is not going to happen I know that sounds very cynical and very negative but it doesn't happen, does it? even though we might have aspirations towards that you may say i am a dreamer well i do mr lennon who's no longer with us of course but he says i'm not the only one i hope some day you'll join us and the world will be as one he was a dreamer this is not going to happen i would suggest not while mankind rules the world we want to go on and show you what god's promises are not this man's vain hopes they are vain hoax and the words of man are vain, but the Bible speaks with authority. I've just quoted there the very first uh, verse of the whole Bible. To me, the Bible has authority. It's not vain at all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we're told by scientists that everything in the universe, under the heavens and in the earth, can be allocated into four aspects, four divisions. Everything you see, everything you feel, everything you touch can be encapsulated in four ways. And those four ways, so scientists tell us, are... Time, energy, space, and matter. Everything can be allocated within those. And, amazingly enough... Well, not really amazingly, because it's God's word. The whole of the... uh, That first verse of the Bible, the very first verse... encapsulates those four areas. Look. In the beginning, time. Energy, created... Space, the heavens, matter, the earth. And the centre of all that... Oops, went too fast there. God. That's why I think the Bible speaks with authority. Right from the outset. And we'll see a little bit more about God's promises rather than man's hopes. But let's... The first couple of slides, anyway. Let's just talk about what man hopes for. We've already seen what John Lennon was hoping for. What, what, What does man hope for? Well... Perhaps he hopes for a, a better home, um, something like that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, I would suggest, that we, we all want somewhere better perhaps to live. Uh, why, why not? As long as it doesn't consume our whole lives. Perhaps we all want to, to earn more money. Uh, there was a survey done some time ago, I remember. It was quite intriguing, this survey, but they asked a number of people what they earned and how much they'd like to earn. And invariably the answer came back that they'd like to earn 10% more. Strangely that. that even someone earning £20,000 a year, they wanted another £2,000. 10%. But someone earning a million pounds a year, well guess what? They wanted another 10%. That's 100000 Each time it fell in that that sort of division, roughly speaking, that they all wanted just that 10%. If I had 10% more, I'd be happy. Perhaps we'd all like a nice sports car. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'd want that. Um, or maybe we'd like to go on a cruise. As you said, there's perhaps nothing wrong with those sort of aspirations. They're, they're man's hopes, perhaps, I would suggest. Uh, as long as they don't consume our lives. But let's, let's be generous. Let's say, well, man also hopes for other things. Not just selfish hopes for himself. He perhaps has hopes for other people. Perhaps uh, he has hopes for his family. Um, wants to, another Elvis, I don't oh, I'm sure my age again there aren't I uh, maybe not an Elvis, Robbie Williams or something like that. But not not to be a pop singer, yes, of course. But we all, all I'd suggest we have children want aspirations for them. We want them to have better things than we've had in the past. That's normal, isn't it? Natural. Perhaps all well, we want to be a bit fitter, a bit slimmer, I say. Um, but we all want to be a, a little bit more healthy. Perhaps we should generalise in that way. Certainly what I would suggest is that um, any right-minded person anyway wants peace in the earth. That there is, is a statue <coughs> excuse me, outside the United Nations building in New York which talks about beating swords into plowshares. And that's taken from Isaiah chapter 2. So yes, any right-minded person wants to have peace in the earth. That, that is man's hopes. There are exceptions to that, of course, we know. And yes, I'm sure we all want um, more food or a better distribution of food throughout the world. We know that a third of the world is starving, while a third of the world uh, has a surplus of food. Wouldn't it be nice, and again, all right-minded people, I would suggest, don't want other people in the rest of the world to starve. They would like food. So they're man's hopes. Again, nothing wrong with those, but will they ever be achieved? Will we ever achieve A true world peace throughout the world. Will we ever be able to distribute food to everybody in the world? Well, not up to now. Uh, We have to recognise man's efforts. I mean, over the last hundred years we've seen advances, great advances in medical science, uh, etc. In the last hundred years, and credit to, to mankind for doing that. But we can't even get to the basics. We can't even cure the common cold or anything like that. We certainly can't bring world peace. In fact, it seems to be getting even worse. It's not just country fighting country anymore, is it? It's terrorist groups springing up and and causing problems. And we certainly don't appear to be able to distribute the world's goods uh, equally amongst everybody, despite all the advances that we've made. So, what does hope mean? What's the definition of a hope? dictionary definition says... To wish for something with expectation. That's that's the hope that we might have. Or to expect with confidence. More often than not, if you look in a dictionary, uh, it says hope and those two definitions. And underneath it, it says hope against hope. In other words, to persist in hoping for something against all the odds. That was a quote from... A poet called Alexander Hope. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. That's what we all think, isn't it? There'll always be a hope (coughs) for the future. Even though those hopes may be vain. What about promises? Well, again, a dictionary definition of a promise is a declaration giving assurance that something will be given. And I want to show how God gives us those sort of promises. An absolute assurance. To pledge or to vow that something will happen. But it's not, not hoping now. This is an absolute promise. So what do we see? Well, hopes with promise. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul and look at a quotation there from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. You can look it up in your Bibles if you want, but all, all these quotations are going to appear on the screen if you'd rather just watch the screen. Paul writes here, The time of my departing is at hand, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, he says. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul therefore knew that his death was imminent. He knew he was going to die, He's on trial for his life in in Rome. And yet, (coughs) his hope transcended the certainty of his death. And the basis of this hope, this hope with promise... And its foundation are the promises of God. He knew that the promises of God were. Well, what what are those promises? Let's go back to some fundamentals. We're going back to Genesis chapter 12. The promises to a man called Abram, or he was later known as Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12 and the first three verses, God said, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family. And these verses are taken from, by the way, from the uh, um, revised uh, King James Version. New King James Version, should I say. Now the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you. make two promises. I will make you a great nation and will bless you and make your name great. And in you, all families of the earth, be blessed. He also promises him a land, which we'll see in a shortly. And Abraham trusted God's promises because he'd assured him that he would make of him a great nation and you can see there on the slide the blue line that goes from Ur of the Chaldees over on the right there near Babylon and Abraham and his family journeyed upwards around what's called the Fertile Crescent down into the land of Canaan or we know it as Israel today because God asked him to, God told him to, to do that and he trusted God's promise that God would make him a great nation. And so we continue in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4 now. So Abraham, depart, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot, that was his nephew, went with him and Abram was 75 years old. You notice his age, he's, he's quite an old man by now, he's 75 years old. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants I will give this land, the land that he just entered, Canaan. So he's made these two promises. One is that, uh, and you will all families of the earth be blessed. I'll give you a great nation. shall come from you. And to your descendants, uh, I will give this land. They were the two promises that he made. A little bit later on, the promise didn't appear to be forthcoming. The promise of a child. Abraham and his wife Sarah had no children. He was already 75 years old. Sarah was 65 years old. And so Abram says to him, to God, that is, Lord God, this is Genesis chapter 15 and verse 2, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? So some time has elapsed now and he's still not got any family. And God replied, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And God said to him, <laughs> So shall your descendants be. I've got a little note in, in, in my Bible that says, um, I don't know how true it is, there is 100,000 million, 100,000 million stars in our galaxy alone. And our galaxy is one of many that we, we know of. Um, scientists these days will, will talk not just about universes, single universes, they talk about multiverses now, they're parallel universes um, that we can't see into. Uh, and their theory is that there'll be somebody like me giving this same talk somewhere in another universe I think that's a bit unlikely but nonetheless the point I'm trying to make is that there are so many stars that we can see with a naked eye which Abraham could see and God promised him uh, descendants as many as that and God reiterates his promise here in Genesis chapter 17 now in verse 3 to 8 God talked with Abraham, saying, "As for me, behold, my covenant—that's my promise—is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham." He changes it slightly. Abraham means a father of many nations, as you can see there on the slide. Also, I give to you and your descendants the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. So again, he's promising them two same things: one is you'll have descendants, uh, you'll have a family. And secondly, this land in which you dwell now, I'm going to give you as an everlasting possession. And finally, we read in Genesis chapter 21, verse 3. And Abraham, Abraham has a son. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah, his wife, bore to him, Isaac. Verse 5. Look now. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. If you remember the previous slides before... Abraham, when he left Ur of the Chaldees... And went to Canaan by God's commandment... was 75. He's now 100. It's 25 years on. The promise that God made now... Took 25 years uh, to fulfil. Uh, and for that God... 25 years is nothing with the Lord God. But to us... 25 years is a long time for a promise. I know that if, uh, <clears throat> if somebody promises me something... I get twitchy after about 25 minutes. Why haven't you, you told me you were going to do that. You promised. Why haven't you done it? So, uh, but Abraham was patient for the most part. And 25 years on, a son is born to him, Isaac. And yet, Isaac um, never doubted, even 25 years from that first promise, Abraham never doubted uh, and many descendants came from him. And so, if we go into the New Testament, we read there, from Paul's letter to the Romans, verse nineteen onwards. Paul writes about Abraham not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, she was ninety years old at this stage. he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced. That what he. God had promised. He was able. Fully able. To perform. And we can read. If we go into. Hebrews in chapter 11. A well known chapter. About men and women of faith. (coughs) And we read again. About Abraham there. And there's several verses. That describe Abraham's faith. And what he did. It says. Therefore from one man. And him as good as dead. So it's repeating. What uh, Romans has just told us. Were many. were born many as the stars of the sky in multitude innumerable as the sand on the seashore sorry I'll go back again these all died in faith we read in in Hebrews not having received the promises but what about the promise of the land we said there were two promises made to Abraham one is that he would have descendants, a, a big family but also he would possess this land in which he dwelt And in Acts chapter 7 and verse 5. We read there. God gave him no inheritance. That's Abraham. Not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child. He promised to give it him for a possession. And to his descendants after him. So what can we conclude about that? Um, Abraham never inherited the land. He had children. thats that part of the promise was fulfilled. But Abraham never inherited the land. During his lifetime. So. Did God break his promise? God never breaks his promise. The promise of the land for Abraham is still future. For though when Abraham died he did not possess the land of promise. He knew God's promise could not fail. He was that convinced that God would perform. The same promises were made to Abraham's son Isaac. And to Isaac's son Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel. Uh, And Jacob had 12 sons... Who became the head of a mighty nation... So we know that the first part was fulfilled... That of a mighty nation... Descending from Abraham... But the promise of the land... Is still yet future... We'll see that a little later... Several hundred years... Oh, Sorry I'll I'll repeat what I've said already... These all died in faith... It's talking about the promises... uh, And the faith of various men and women in Hebrews 11... These all died in faith... Not having received the promises... But having seen them afar off and were assured of them. They were certain that the promises would be fulfilled. A few hundred years later there was another man. A man who is described as a man after God's own heart. This is the man David, King David. And God made an absolute promise to him also. A promise to David and his descendants. And the promise is there. In Second Samuel in chapter 7, in verse 12 onwards, God said, through a through prophet Nathan, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. The promise there that was made to David. Was partly fulfilled in David's son Solomon. But of course if you look at that again in more detail. The last couple of lines. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That's a key word. Solomon did not reign forever. He succeeded David to the throne. uh, But he could not reign forever. He was a mortal man. I will be his father. And he shall be my son God said. So this is talking about someone else looking at God's promises to David here's that well known picture I'm sure you'll all recognise the well known story about David uh, slaying Goliath Um, you can see that Goliath who I think was over 9 feet tall and uh, fully kitted out with armour and shield the one thing that's not shown on there which uh, the Bible tells us that Goliath had an armour bearer as well in front of him and I'm sure Goliath it doesn't say so but I'm sure Goliath must be thinking this lad can't do anything to me I could easily send my armor bearer and he would kill David Uh, he would kill this young man with no problem so he didn't really regard David as much of a threat but we know that David um, because he believed in the living God David uh, slew this giant of a man so the promises that were made to David we've already looked at and it says there in Psalm 89, verse 34 onwards, God said my promise, my covenant in other words, I will not break nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Remember the promise was that David's throne would be established forever. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the son before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky. So as long as there's a moon in the sky, God says, David's throne will be established forever. That was the promise he made. And yet, some four centuries after David, uh, and I think the 19th king that followed David, uh, who sat on David's throne, a man called Zed- a king called Zedekiah, was overthrown by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. And that was it. That was the end of the kingdom, temporarily anyway, as far as David's uh, line was concerned. So, what does that mean? Well, in Ezekiel chapter 21, does it mean the end of the promise to David? Remember, God promised David's kingdom, or uh, a man would sit on David's throne forever. Is this the end after Zedekiah? Well, Ezekiel 21 says this Thus saith the Lord God remove the turban and take off the crown overthrown, overthrown, I will make it overthrown that's David's kingdom it shall be no longer until he come whose right it is and I will give it him so it was a temporary uh, lull in David's David's kingdom God had promised it forever and yet here we have the end of the kingdom temporarily Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9 speaks of another king For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Remember our early slides talk about man's hopes for peace and the vain hope that it is. But God says here in a promise. The increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward. Those words again. Even Forever. Who is this man then that will reign on David's throne forever? Well, we're told quite clearly. I think you know where I'm going. In Luke chapter 20, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 1 and verse 31 onwards, the angel speaking to uh, Mary says, "Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus." He was descended from David through David's line, through his genealogy. It says he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So that throne, that line that was temporarily halted. Will be reinstated. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Jacob being another name for Israel. He will reign over the house of Israel forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So the promise wasn't broken. Just interrupted for a short while. And Peter in his words in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23 onwards. Talks about Jesus of Nazareth. You have taken by lawless hands have crucified and put to death. So this same Jesus who is going to be king over Israel forever. Has the promise been broken? Has God's promise been broken? We see here he's been crucified and put to death. But Peter goes on. Whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death. Because it was not possible that he should be held by it. We see once again God's promise is going to be fulfilled. It continues in verse 36 Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus whom you have crucified (coughs) both Lord and Christ. And so we now need to talk about we can say, So what? What about all these promises that God made and promises that were temporarily suspended? what does that mean to us? God's promises to us. Well it says there. Or Paul writes there in First Corinthians chapter 15. And verse 20 onwards. He writes. But now is Christ risen from the dead. So this same Jesus who was going to reign on David's throne forever. Who died and was raised. Has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die. Sorry, as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one in his own order: Christ the first fruits; afterward, those who are Christ at His coming. So we can see the kingdom of God is going to be re-established on this earth when the Lord Jesus returns. And we read there that Christ is the first fruits; He's the first to be resurrected from the dead and to reign forever. And afterwards, those who are Christ at His coming. And we'll see what it means by being Christ. And so the good news is for us and all mankind is that we can share in those wonderful promises. Forget the vain hopes of man that we spoke about earlier. We can share in those wonderful promises that God made to Abraham um, and his descendants such as David uh, and the promise of the king to come. Because we've already read this as an introductory reading from Galatians chapter 3 Paul's letter to the Galatians and verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, just as Abraham believed God's promises, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that those that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham or children of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Abraham was taught the way, he was taught the gospel. Abraham was taught about the resurrection. He was taught taught about Messiah. He was taught taught about the kingdom to come. And the promises that would be. And that he and his seed and his family, his descendants, would possess that land of which the promise was made. Going on in Galatians chapter 3, again talking about God's promises to us. We read there that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being become a curse for us. For it's written "Cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree. So Christ we know died for us. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. So those same promises that were made to Abraham. We might have also if we're in Christ. And the hope is through Baptism again in that same chapter, chapter 3 of Galatians and towards the end now we read therefore you are all the sons of God through Christ Jesus for as many as you have been as were baptised into Christ are put on Christ and that baptism is a a subject in itself and we can't go into more details um, this afternoon but what we do read there is that it is available that promise to everybody who is prepared to be baptised into the name of Jesus neither Jew nor Greek neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So there's God's promises and there's God's wonderful promises to us. And I would suggest that this promise is certain and is far better than any of man's hopes or promises. Because we can read in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 onwards. When God made a promise to Abraham. Because he could swear by no one greater. He swore by himself. Saying surely I will bless you. And multiplying I will multiply you. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast. So to summarise in the last minute of our talk. We've seen man's hopes. We've seen man's vain hopes. We've seen. Man's aspirations, commendable though they may be, um, as we've said, most people would want peace on the earth. Most most people would want a distribution of wealth and food to all people. It will not happen, I would suggest, wherever mankind rules the world, because we are too greedy. However, God's promise to us in the kingdom, when Jesus returns to establish God's kingdom on the earth, that there will be peace, complete peace, true peace And there will be no more starvation, no more famines, no more disease, and even death itself shall be conquered in God's kingdom to come. The promise is certain. It's nothing like man's hopes. This is God's promise. And the promise is available, this is the last slide, the promise is available to all who would look to Jesus and and, and God. Seek the kingdom of God, this is from Luke chapter 12, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do not fear, that these are words of Jesus, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We cannot earn the right to that kingdom. It's God's promise that he will give us the kingdom. And that's the wonderful hope that we have. The promises that were made to Abraham and to David and to all his successors. That we can have uh, the kingdom that God will give it to us. And we look forward to that time now, sometime in the future, hopefully the near future... And the Lord Jesus will return to establish God's kingdom, uh, to establish it, and that we can be part of it. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, christadelphians.org.uk.